Welcome to The Grinning Possum, a podcast about poetry, old-time music, geography, history, and interesting people who put their hands to work. I'm your host, Morris Manning. If it's homespun, homegrown, or just plain down-home, we tend to like it. We cover everything from leather britches to thunder mugs, pokeweed to polecats, and a heap of critters in between. We can even promise the occasional shoeless ditty and witty oddity. Our aim is to go from this to this. From a plain and simple beginning to something lovely most any raw materials can make. Each episode pokes around a corner of Appalachian culture and tradition and wraps it all up in a frolic. As one old timer liked to say, if you've got an itchy ear, just listen at this. And that's all you have to do. All the ways Tippy Biggs was tied. It's been said that Tippy was half Biggs and one quarter or more Indian, and the rest of him was just Tippy, though he was connected to Smiling Dave and Crow and Bar Creek Jim, a descendant of Blackwater Bill, whose first wife, Josie Root, ran off with Posey Goforth, but folks said Black never minded a bit, because Josie and Posey rhyme, and when a man and a woman have rhyming names, it's fruitless to think you can keep them apart. So all of that was in Tippy's line, but the thing is, Tippy's line was nothing of the sort. It was a maze, a mess of lines that left him hitched, if you combed it out, to Link Hare, Winnestidham, and Shafter Hacker, and Sibby, and Dump, and Nosy Jim Lewis, and that whole bunch, not to mention Nammy, Trosper, Ed, with double D's for emphasis, R. Milda, Hesiah Crook, Selden, Irona, Peachico Cotton, Charity Cold Iron, Fuller, Novella, Frony, Alton, and Topsy. And I forgot to mention when Josie ran off with Posey Goforth to rhyme, Blackwater Bill was suddenly free after a while to court again, and he set his sights on Moody Lanehart, who was tickled to death to marry a man of Black's integrity. So they married in a service performed by Auton Barge, who covered all the country around, but Black and Moody had a string of children, and that was another mess of lines, all tangled behind Tippy if he cared to look, that tied him to Blind and Weasley and Wrath, Vesta Fields, Spider, Fount Hopper, Dink, Old Aura Scruggs, Shabby and Poss, Versi, Klingman, Boyce, Booney, on back to Humpy Sparks, Bozzy, Cletius Miracle, Zedra, Lottie Nipper and Basil Whitus and all the folks on Chicken Branch where it empties into Jack's Branch and goes on down to Big Goose where Vicey and Devil Bill resided. But up the holler was a bunch of others, all them characters and fine people like Sneed and Axie, Abrilla, Birdia, Tank, Footy, Toline, Cotty, and Loletta Hobbs. But I seem to recall Tippy was tied to Letta Hobbs some other way as well, which means... Tippy was related one way or another to everyone, and if Tippy was tied to everyone, he was surely related to himself, because his mother was a creed. Before she ever became a Biggs, and the creeds were some of the first people around, and each generation they named a girl America. 
And that's been something to think about. All these people who now belong to time, even Tippy, who's been gone forever. Fattening up a possum. Jarius Parrot Ball was a drunkard. And as so many others who suffer such a condition or doleful fate, he lived with a loneliness you could see hiding behind his bright eyes like a child who can't put words together and always seems too shy to speak. But I'm not talking of children now. Parrot Ball was an old man, and there was a lonely child in his eyes who lived behind them like a shadow. One day Parrot sent for my father and asked him to come out and patch the roof. I'm too unsteady to handle a ladder myself, he said, and I ain't got a pair of shoes that's fit for climbing. So my father rose on the ladder and scooted around the roof with a bucket of tar and a wooden paddle Parrot kept on the porch to swat away horseflies. I aim to fatten up a possum as quick as I can catch me one, and you can come on out for supper. That way I can thank you proper. Possum for supper sounds all right to me, my father called from the roof. And be sure to clean that paddle off, Parrot added. I reckon I'll need it a little while at least. When my father was climbing down the ladder, Parrot shook it and said, I got you, son, with a laugh that soon turned to a hack. Down on the ground, my father told him, Parrot, I couldn't find a leak, and I looked high and low for one and handed Parrot the horsefly paddle. Parrot frowned and curled a finger in the air. Well, let's us come on in the house, and I'll show you where it leaks. When they got inside, Parrot pulled a horse pistol from under the bed and shot two holes of daylight into the sooty ceiling and said, By God, it'll leak now for sure. I expect you need me to patch it now, my father asked in the dim light. Well, Parrot paused and twitched his whiskers. Well, I don't look for it to rain, at least not any time soon, he shrugged and put the pistol back. Reckon patching that roof can wait, but there's not much waiting left for me. That's why I aim to catch me a possum. Wherever I'm going after here, I want some possum in my belly because it might be quite a journey. If they have possum in heaven or the other place, I haven't heard tell of it. And come to think of it, I've never heard a preacher say ever one word about a possum. Next time you go to church, I wish you'd ask the preacher if there's verses in the book that testify on possums. And don't be long in finding out. The day is coming while I'll be going yonder. Then I'll be gone forever. And that's the story my father told of a man so lonely he shot his house. My father was good at telling stories, and Jarius Parrot Ball was only a lonely man in one of the tales, one of a few he told me before, like the possum parrot poached for supper and parrot himself. He left the world. Only the child in Parrot's eyes is still in the world, lonely as ever, looking out of other eyes. And that's the story of the world. People suffer, Lord, they do, but a possum can give a person hope and straighten out a crooked life.
wish I was mole in the ground. Yes, I wish I was mole in the ground. If I was a mole in the ground, I'd root this mountain down. I wish I was a mole in the ground. Now Tippy wants a nine dollar shawl. Yes, Tippy wants a nine dollar shawl. I come over the hill with a $40 bill. She says, baby, where you been so long? Well, I've been in the bin so long. Yes, I've been in the bin so long. I've been in the bin with them rough and rowdy men. Baby, where you been so Said I don't like no railroad man. If I was a railroad man, Lord, they kill you in the can. Drink up your blood like wine. So I wish I was a lizard in the spring. Yes, I wish I was a lizard in the spring. If I was a lizard in the spring, I could hear my sweet. Cappy, let your hair hang down. Hey, Cappy, let your hair hang down. Let your hair hang down and your curls fall all around. Oh, Cappy, let your hair hang down. I wish I was a mole in the ground. Yes, I wish I was a mole in the ground. As a mole in the ground, I'd root this mountain down. I wish I was a mole in the ground. If I was a mole in the ground, Lord, I'd root this mountain down. I wish I was a mole in the ground. The Yonder Side of Sourwood. Now, I don't know if it's true today, and I won't reveal the name of the county he mentioned, but my father recalled that his grandfather concluded the people from county were hard-headed, uncommonly mean and backward because not a one of them had a sense of humor. Not a single man, woman, or child in the dark county could laugh with delight. They had decided to live in the darkness of ignorance but had yet to notice their mistake and couldn't imagine the toll, which nevertheless rung out and left a long and lonely shade that fell behind them like a second shadow. They knew what they knew, and that was enough. 
They weren't impressed by anything new and never noticed anything surprising, curious, or strange. And being in such company was about as exciting as stubbing your toe. In fact, the old man continued, I'd rather converse with a dead possum than shoot the breeze with anyone from county because they're not the kind of people who shoot the breeze. They'll shoot their uncles, but not the breeze. You could spin the one about the man who confessed to stealing a rope, but convinced the judge he didn't know a mule was attached to the other end of the rope. And the judge decided if a man could go to such lengths to steal a rope, he ought to keep it and fully deserve to keep the bony mule as well. If you rattled a tale like that to a man from county, first of all, he'd believe it was true. And then he'd say, I never had much light for a mule with a sour, benighted pout on his face, as if the point of the story was the mule and not the clever defense of a man who aspired to steal a rope. Now that's a profound absence of humor, I said to my father. You know it, he said. Some of the gloomiest people ever are fetched up in county. Granddaddy had them pegged, but that old judge did his best to help because I gather he believed the human condition could be improved, a belief the people of county unwittingly conspired to challenge. One time, a wiry heathen who came from county was being tried for shooting off his uncle's ear. The judge's questions received a lot of nopes and yeps, and all the victim could do was point and mumble, him. In the end, it wasn't much of a trial. The one-eared uncle appeared to take little notice of his condition, and a similar indifference dimmed the nephew's gaze to a faint ember. With so little to guide his judgment, the judge sh simply shrugged and pronounced, Whereas the victim retains a prodigious other ear, and whereas said missing ear now confers on the victim what he so sorely lacked before the incident, namely a speck of curiosity, and whereas the victim is widely known as a thief who can't steal anything of interest, purpose, value, or meaning, such as a broken barrel stave or a cracked and leaky thunder mug. Therefore, if the accused can summon a flicker of imagination and tell me why committing injury to the ear of his uncle seemed a worthy thing to do, if a tale can be construed to provide this court a precious moment of entertainment, I will let the matter of the missing ear be recorded as an accident. The accused may now commence his tale. Well, he looked at me funny, and I don't like a funny look, so I shot off his ear. The boom of the gavel rattled the windows. The accused and the one-eared victim alike just stood there slack-jawed and blank. The judge rubbed his chin. The court he said, having seen no evidence that neither the accused nor the victim possesses a shred of imagination and that in all likelihood a dead possum has more spark. You dullards can't even exaggerate. Hereby finds all parties guilty of ignorance, malice, sloth, overall ineptitude, gloom, monosyllabic mumbling, bunions, bad teeth, dropsy, and failure to imagine a story. 
and invite you both to 60 days and lonely nights in the county jail, which I know won't balance the scales of justice and will matter little to the people of county and further will not deter either of you in the least from being so earnestly what you are, a double blight for whom reason has all the allure of pissing on a turtle. You've been listening to The Grinning Possum, a podcast from Kentucky. If you like what you've heard, please share it with a friend. Thank you kindly for your time and keep it in your pouch. Grin and Possum podcast is written and performed by Morris Manning. The show is engineered and edited by Steve Cody and is funded with a grant from the Kentucky Arts Council, the state arts agency, which is supported with federal funding from the National Endowment for the Arts.